Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with me this morning. Good to see you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look really good today. Well, as Randy reminded you, on uh, Saturday night, we're going to have the Watoto Children's Choir from Africa. Every one of those kids are orphans, either lost both their parents or one through violence or Islamic wars or AIDS or something like that. And, and so they're a real energetic blessing. How, how many of you have ever seen the Watoto Children's Choir before? Listen, you need to not only come, you need to bring somebody with you. It'll make you feel like, uh, I don't have any problems at all. These people are so happy and alive and filled with the Holy Spirit. It is just amazing. And then, uh, then Sunday, they'll be back with us. And then Sunday night, all over our area, there'll be a group's meeting. So go out and sign up at a table to be at a different meeting. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. For your goodness, your mercy, your grace, we are so very blessed. And God, we're grateful for what you're doing, what you've done, what you're going to do. And Lord, we give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. The older I get, there's something that I'll confess to you is that unless something's comfortable, I will not wear it. And I don't care how much it costs or what it looks like. I'm really not into fashion that much. And especially if it doesn't feel good, I don't wear it. But one of the things that just rubs me the wrong way is labels and clothes. Now, I, uh, I'm going to give you too much information here. But uh, when I buy t-shirts and underwear, I buy without labels, okay? I thought you might need to know that. But in case you don't, I told it to you anyway. But if I have a t-shirt or a, a shirt or something that, you know, I have that has a label in it, and if it just gives me the least little bit of irritation, I'm reaching back, I'm trying to rip that dude out, or I say, Carrie, come here, help me get rid of this label, help me get this label out because it's just driving me nuts. And she says, you're such a big sissy. <laughs> well, maybe I am, but I am an anti-label clothing person. And uh, I, I'm just a sensitive guy, I think. <laughs> well, all of us have had labels uh, put on us, or you've had uh, someone that's tried to attach a label to you, maybe stupid, lazy, uh, inept, dumb, slow, goofy, ghetto, fat, chunky, tall, skinny, homely. Uh, we could go on and on, couldn't we? I mean, people cannot get through life without somebody trying to give them a label. Now, some labels may be affectionate, some may be cute, but I'm going to tell you, nobody gets a pass with this. Everybody has to go through life with somebody trying to put some type of label on them. Now, I want to set you up here. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17, a verse you're very familiar with. So, if you'd like to take your Bible, I encourage you to turn to Samuel 17, that this story has to really go back to 16 for us to get the full picture. The prophet Samuel has been instructed to go to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, to anoint a new king. So he makes that trip, and he goes to Bethlehem. He finds Jesse. He says, Jesse, I'm here. One of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. I'm here to anoint him. Bring your sons in. 
So Jesse brings the boys in and they do, if you will, king audition for uh, Samuel. And the first one, Eliab passes by. He is strong. He's good looking. He's muscular. He seems like the obvious choice. And Samuel lifts the horn of oil to anoint him. And God says, stop. Not my guy. Not him. And then God said something very wonderful to Samuel. He said, I don't look at a person like another person looks at a person. I don't look at a man like a man looks at a man. I don't look at his outward appearance. I look at his heart. And now the next one passes by and the next and the next and the next and the next and the next. And none of them, God said, is my person. And then Samuel says to Jesse, he says, surely this can't be all of your sons. Do you have any more boys? And he says, oh yeah, the youngest. My youngest is still out there keeping the sheep. We didn't even call him in. And Samuel said, we will not sit down until he's here. And when David walked in the door, God spoke to the prophet and he said, that's my guy right there. And as a young, young teenager, the horn of all was lifted over his head and it was poured upon him for him to be ordained as the next king of Israel, which leads us to chapter 17. Israel and the Philistines are at war. If you go southwest of Jerusalem, you'll find the Valley of Elah. And as it was in those days, cultures clashed, civilizations clashed, and there's a, a class of cultures. The armies are there to war. And picture in your mind a, a small stream going through the valley. On one side is the children of Israel, the armies of Israel. The other side is the Philistines. And do you know if God had them do and if they had done what God said to do, this battle would have never taken place? You know, sometimes in our life, God says, take care of that. And when you don't take care of it, it comes back to haunt you. You have to fight that battle later. And it's always worse later than it was when God said, take care of it now. That's good preaching, Pastor. I like it when I hear it. And that's not even the sermon. But anyway, there they are. The armies are there. You look like uh, we're, we're going to see the, this clash of armies. But something happens that first morning. A giant walked out by the name of Goliath. He's nine and a half feet tall. Let me tell you, that's a big dude. He's probably over 400 feet tall. He has a huge brass shield. He has a sword. He, he has everything as far as armament. He is techno guy for the day. And he makes this challenge. He said, no need for the armies to fight. You send your champion out. I'm the champion of the Philistines. Whoever wins, if I win, you'll be our servants. You win, we'll be your servants. He did this every day for 40 days. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> David's not even old enough to be in the army. David can't enlist. He can't go. He's young. But his dad says... David, he said, I've got some food, some cheese, some gifts for your brothers, for my kids. Go, go down there where they're assembled and take those down there. And here David goes. He, he takes the gifts, the food, the cheese for the captain of the, 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 the sons of Jesse and for the sons of Jesse. And when David gets there, he happens just by accident, right? By accident, he happens to get there right at the time Goliath walks out and says, send me a man. 
This is where we pick up the story. Got your Bible? Here we go. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now you've heard this and I've said it many times. Why does David refer to Goliath that way? This is what he's saying. We're in covenant with Jehovah God. They are not. We are the children of God. They have refused God. What are we doing here? We're in an impasse. They repeated to him what they had uh, been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited, how naughty, how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Wow. Brothers. I got a brother. His name's Steve. And Steve has always been bigger than me. He was born bigger than me. He's about almost three years younger than me. And my brother is and was an outstanding athlete. He was about 6'1 or 2, uh, weighed 200 and some odd pounds. He was all-state in uh, football. He was high school All-American. He was uh, selected as a Division I athlete to play football. He played defensive end, black belt in karate. He's a tough dude. He's the toughest guy I ever fought. Matter of fact, we shut down Larkin Burby's drive-in one night. Um fighting. I had a 1955 two-door Chevy, painted metallic green. Matter of fact, uh, Brother Billy's grandfather painted it for me, and it was a cool car. Only two-door, though, and Steve had one of his friends in the back seat. I had one of my friends in the front seat, and somehow, someway, we got crossways, and we, we got into a little dispute, and he was sitting in the back seat. He had a full cup of a large Coke in his hand. And somewhere in the discussion, he took that Coke and he threw it right in my face. And I said, bless you, brother. <laughs> Not. I climbed over that seat and he and I went to Fist City. There were elbows, there were feet and legs and knees flying everywhere. We were fighting tenaciously. His friend Jimmy was in the back seat. And Jimmy got caught up in the melee. Jimmy was tall and skinny. And he rolled that little bitty window in the back seat of that 55 Chevy and crawled out so he did not get any damage from the fight. My brother went on to play college football. He was uh, uh, one of the recruiters from the Dallas Cowboys came and talked to him about uh, playing linebacker there. Uh, he fought tough man uh, contests uh, throughout Oklahoma when he was in college to make extra money. That's dumb. Let me tell you, that's just dumb. He'd always tell me, he said, I, I love to go to these towns where the, the two best people to fight were the bikers and the tough guy in the town. He said, I'll tell you why, after about 30 seconds, none of them can breathe anymore. And he said, you just beat the fire out of them. Well, anyway, after four knee surgeries, 
and a few shoulder surgeries, reattaching his Achilles tendon back to his heel. He had to quit. He, he couldn't move on any further. But I want to tell you something. Steve told me, and we laugh about it now, but he said, you know, Mike, he said, I was always big. And I said, yeah, I know. And when he started playing sports, they had to give him a special helmet because his head was so big. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't fit a regular helmet on him. And mother had to buy him bigger pants because he couldn't fit in the pants. And when he was a kid, he had a lazy eye. And the way they treated a lazy eye back then, they put a patch over your good eye to make your lazy eye work, make it stronger. And Steve said this to me. He said, Mike, do you know what it's like to go to school and the back of your jeans say husky on it? And you've got a patch over one eye? You look like an overweight pirate. And guess what? Kids can be cruel. I mean, they can put labels on you and they give you a moniker. They give you a name. They give you a nickname. I'm sure they didn't tell him that. But I'm just telling you, nobody gets a pass with that, right? And everybody here has had some of that. And I want you to see something today. And maybe you've never seen it before, but I want you to focus in on today. Get a pencil and paper, and I want you to see the labels that are put on David prior to the battle with Goliath. This is amazing. Three times his youth is mentioned before he ever goes out to fight the fight. Look at verse 14. He is referred to as the youngest. Everybody say youngest. He's referred to as the youngest. Then his brother Eliab is going to share these discouraging remarks and labels with his younger brother David. Look at verse 28. He said, who have you left these few sheep with? David, you are a small time shepherd. You're prideful. You're conceited. You have a naughty heart. You're wicked. Basically, you're here for the wrong reasons. Have a good day. Do you realize sometimes it's family members that can give you the most negative labels? It's somebody close to you that can do the most damage to your will, your mind, your heart, your future, your purpose, your psyche. Wound you. How many of you know a wounded heart, a wounded spirit? Who can bear it? That's what the Bible says. David is there for purpose. How many of you know he's there for a purpose? And here Eliab is sharing these very discouraging remarks and labels. Basically, David, you, you got, got it all wrong here. And you're here for the wrong reason. I believe he was there for the right reason, don't you? And it didn't, didn't stop with Eliab. Matter of fact, Saul picks it up. Go down to verse 33. When David says that they bring David to King Saul and David said, I'll go fight this uncircumcised Philistine. And the first word Saul says to David, he says, you are not Able. Say that with me. You are not able. Second thing, you are but a youth, and he's a warrior from his youth. Wow. David hadn't got anything positive yet, has he? His family, brother, now has discouraged him. Now the king, the leader of Israel, is discouraging him. And even Goliath labels David. Watch this. David finally goes out to battle. He has overcome the labeling of his 
brother, and now he's overcome the labeling of Goliath, I mean of Saul, now Goliath starts in him. Look, look at verse 42. So here Goliath is, about nine and a half feet tall, huge, massive warrior, and he says to David, and he says to the armies of Israel, you have sent a young boy out to me. This guy is ruddy, he's handsome, he has fair countenance. Now, let me give you the Oklahoma vernacular. Look at your neighbor and say, he's fixing to give it to you. You sent a pretty boy out to fight me? Really? You sent the pretty boy out to fight me? This is a kid. I will eat him up and I will spit him out. Eliab labels him negatively. Saul la labels him negatively. Now Goliath works on him. Friends, let me tell you, the enemy will try to keep you from getting to the real battle. If he can stop you before you get to the real battle, he knows he wins. But this is what he also knows. If you get in the real battle, you will always win. But he'll try to stop you. What if David had believed everything that has been told to him and labeled on him in this story. He'd have never went out to face Goliath. He would have never fought the giant. He would have had a negative self-image about himself. He would have never reached the potential that God had down inside of him. And he would have never accomplished the purpose that I believe God sent him to do. How many of you believe that? I believe he was there for more than just bringing some food to his brothers. I believe he was there for more than just saying, how you doing, bubs? I believe he was there for more than bringing gifts to the captain of the host. He was on assignment by Almighty God. This is going to be his national coming out party. This is going to vault him to national significance. Let me tell you something. Every person God uses, he hides for a while. He puts you in the wilderness. He'll put you in a cave. He'll put you somewhere where no one knows you until he brings you to the spotlight. Let me tell you something. What happens in the dark, what happens in private, what happens in your prayer closet will vault you to publicity. If you're looking for publicity, you got it right backwards. And there's a vernacular for that, and I won't say it. Let me remember a singer by the name of Karen Carpenter. We've only just begun. I won't sing it, but... Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Karen and I, when I was in college, we were dating... And I took her to a concert one night, and we went to see the Carpenters. And let me tell you, Karen Carpenter, absolutely amazing. One of the best singers. Sold millions of records and albums and eight-track tapes. And... <laughs> oh, y'all are so holy. She died at age 32. Why is this very talented and gifted person dying at age 32? It's a question, isn't it? She weighs less than 90 pounds. She has anorexia. She dies. In 1983, she passed from this life to eternal life and uh, 
many reasons have been suggested as why she came to that place in her life. And I'll just give you some purely conjecture. We don't know, but uh, it has been uh, commented that maybe somebody in her early life commented on her weight. That she was uh, looking for the approval from a family member that she never got. She was looking for love and felt like she never measured up. And, and, and listen, you know, we, we see somebody on the outside, but it's how you view yourself on the inside. And, and, and could it be that she'd been labeled and she'd been hurt, she'd been wounded, and, and something happened there and it didn't work out. Let me say this to you today, and I really feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking because in that early service we felt a move of God. Because... Nobody gets through life without dealing with some of this. And it makes no difference how old you are, how young you are. We, we all have these issues that we're facing. And uh, Jesus' disciples were even labeled, weren't they? Do you remember? They called them ignorant and unlearned men. These are a bunch of hicks from up in Galilee. Th these are rednecks from Texas. These are a bunch of Okies. These are a bunch of hillbillies from Arkansas. Isn't it funny? We can just label everybody, can't we? Come on now. We, we got labels. We, 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 we do, you know, uh, Yankees. We, we, you know, okay. We're good at that kind of stuff. Jock, geek, the disciples, ignorant and unlearned men. They don't know anything. Paul, much learning has made thee mad. You're a crazy person. Even Jesus was labeled. Servants not above his master. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 3, he's called a blasphemer. He's called someone who's demon-possessed. He's a revolutionary. He's an imposter. And some probably thought he was illegitimate. Right? Uh, we know Joseph is really not his dad. Well, that's true. He has a heavenly father. Amen? So, what is it to go through life? Young people, listen to me. Nobody gets a pass on this. I don't care if it's Instagram, Facebook, next book, or whatever it is. I made that last one up. Um, you, you, you're going to be hurt. Somebody's going to say something. And you say, well, when I get 50, it'll stop. No, it won't. No, it won't. That's that goofy preacher that preaches down at Ray of Hope. That's that guy who thinks he's better than everybody else. That, that's that person who actually believes the Bible. That, that's that person that's really trying to forgive some. Listen, I don't care who you are. You're going to go through some of this labeling. How do we overcome the labels that get placed on us, the tags that get placed on this? Why is this important? Because many people have been abused sexually and physically and mentally and verbally, and they are struggling with this. And maybe it's you today. What happens when we have this negative attachment placed on our life? Let me tell you what happens. It becomes an anchor and a weight to us, and we're like a ship that's barnacled up. It's hard to get through life. It's hard to get through because we have all of this stuff that we're dealing with, and we drag it around, and it drags us down. Can I hear an amen? amen. So, those negative words can play over and over in our mind, in our heart, in our spirit. And so what happens what do we do about it? How do we get over it? I'm glad you asked me. Let me give you five quick things very quickly. Here's number one. 
You must know who you are. You must know who you are. Now let me tell you why this is important. If you're unsure of who you are, you're more likely to accept what someone else said about you. So if you don't know who you are, you're more likely to accept what somebody else says that this is what you are or who you are. But if you know who you are, if you know who you are, if you know who you are, then you are not likely to take that which somebody says that you are that you're really not. It's a trick of the devil. And let me tell you why I know this. Let me tell you, anything that we preach and teach must be scriptural. How many of you agree with that? We, we need to know this is in the word of God. When Jesus is led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil, he is fasting for 40 days. He's not eaten. And after the 40 days, guess who shows up? The enemy shows up. The devil shows up. And I want you to know, this is worth the price of admission this morning, how he begins to address Jesus. If you are the Son of God. What's he doing? I want you to doubt who you really are. If you are the Son of God. How many of you know he knew he was the Son of God? Matter of fact, he was created by Jesus. How many of you know the Bible says Jesus created all things and by all things created and consisting and existing, it is by him and for him according to scripture. But notice how he comes. If you are the son of God, Command these stones to be made into bread. And he didn't stop there. When he came to him the second time, guess how he came? If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. The angels will watch over you. What's he doing? He's trying to get Jesus to doubt who he is. If he did that to Jesus, he'll do that to you. He'll try to get you to doubt who you are. Number two. You must know that you are valuable. How many of you know you're valuable? There are 7 billion people on this planet, and nobody has your thumbprint. Nobody has your eye print. Matter of fact, in the cyber world, they will allow you to open up your Apple phone with your thumb. And now they will allow you to open up your phone with your face. Nobody's got your face, thank you, God. Right? You are one of a kind. When God made you, he didn't make anyone like you. Nobody has your thumbprint, your voice, your eye, your face. You are a original. Wow. You are valuable. You are an original. If I know who I am, if I can see the value of who I am, thirdly, you must know that you have a purpose. You must know that you have a purpose. Sometimes we, we struggle with our purpose. Sometimes we feel like it's a little misty, a little hazy. We're, we're seeing not as clear as we should see, but every person in here has a purpose. You are not created just to live life, pay bills, and die. Thank you, Lord. 
You were made with purpose. When David went to that battlefield, he went there for purpose. It was a bigger purpose than his dad thought, and he thought, and his brothers thought, and Saul thought, and for sure Goliath thought, right? David went there for purpose, and you have purpose. Here's the fourth thing. You must believe what God's word says about you. You must believe what God's word says about you. Now, listen. People are going to say, oh, this is Mike, this is Carrie, uh, th this is uh, you, this is me. We have to believe what God said about us. You know what God said about you? You are the apple of his eye. You are above and not beneath. You're the head, you're not the tail, amen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're the redeemed. You're the ecclesia. You're the called out. Boy, we could go on and on, couldn't we? What, what is that? That's the word of God. That's what God said about you. Listen, there's a lot of things that God says about you. So I have to believe what God said about me, what the word said about me, instead of what everybody else says about me. You see, I take God's label over their label. You need to take God's label over their label because in the end it's only God's label that counts. And I found out we can even label ourselves. Sometimes we don't even need somebody from the outside to label us. We, we do it internally. And we do it sometimes unconsciously. Down in the subconscious, we're labeling ourselves into something that really we're not. We have to believe what God's Word says about us. Here's number five, the last one. If you failed, and we all have, right? If you failed, and we all have, you have to accept God's love his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. Now, if you're here today and say, Pastor Mike, I'm not a bad person. Oh yeah, really you are. I'm not trying to deflate you, but I'm just saying this. You didn't start out good. Okay, I'm going to preach this out over here. You didn't start out good. We all started out in a fallen nature. When Adam fell in the garden, you were in his loins. It's true. All of us here were in the loins of Adam and when one man because of disobedience fell, everyone fell with Adam. But thank God there's another line. Because of one man's obedience, all were made righteous through him and that's Jesus. So now you are the righteousness of God. Well, pastor, but you don't know what I've done. Oh, so you're human? You've messed up? You remember a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene who had a pretty rough occupation, was full of demons, and Jesus came along and he set her on a new course and charted a new course for her? How about a woman that was at Jacob's well when there was an encounter there in Samaria and she comes along and this woman, been married five times, shacking up with the guy and Jesus sets her on a new course. You see, it makes no difference who you are or how big we think the sin is or how small we think the sin is. We're all there, right? And, and maybe that moniker, that label, that tag that got put on you Maybe at the time you deserved it. And we could say, Abraham was a liar. 
And Moses was a murderer. And David's an adulterer. Couldn't we? Because all those things are true. But aren't you glad they didn't accept those labels for the rest of their life? Or we could say, like Jesus did to some in the New Testament. Simon, I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Peter. You were a little stone, but now you are a big stone. Upon this rock, and he's talking about himself, but upon this rock I'll build my church. No longer will I call you Simon. I'm going to call you Petros, Petra, Peter. Or I'm not going to call you Saul of Tarsus anymore because you were the original Christian terrorist. I'm going to call you Paul because now you're going to be my greatest missionary. What's he doing? I'm going to change your label. I'm going to change what I call you. Now remember, you've got to agree with God. Because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. But God's grace, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness charts a new course for us. And now we're on a different path and we have a new name. We have a new label. I would hate to tell you all the things I've done and all the things I've messed up. But with the Lord, he created me new. The old man is gone and now there's a new creation. Isn't that good? You're not what you used to be. You are what God now says that you are. Those labels are gone. And now we're called by a new name. Matter of fact, we're called by his name, aren't we? You know, I don't know about you, but I think so many of us could say this. Well, this is what I was, but this is who I am now. This is what I did, but this is what I'm doing now. I, I, I did mess up, but because of his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, his compassion, this is who I am now. Abraham didn't have to go back to that old lifestyle, and Moses didn't have to be that, and David didn't have to be that, and Peter didn't have to be that, and Paul didn't have to be that, Mary Magdalene had not be that, and the woman at the well didn't have to be that, and you don't have to be that unless you choose to be that. It's up to you. But the good news is, this may be who I was, but this is not who I am now. And baby, you're struggling. Loser, skinny, fat, dumb, geek, jock. I don't know what it is. There's liability to labels. But David would have never accomplished the victory over the giant if he had listened to the labels and the reasons why he couldn't, shouldn't, or wouldn't. He defied them all. We had this conversation at the end of the first service. Not original to me. David redefined himself in that chapter. I'm going to be wealthy. I'm going to get a bride. I'm not going to pay taxes for the rest of my life. I'm going to kill this giant. I'm not going to be anything they said, but this is who I'm going to be right over here. This is who I'm going to be. Who are you going to be? Bow your head with me. 
We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.